Open your Bibles tonight to Acts 13. Acts 13. Acts 13 tonight, if you'll just follow along with me, read a few verses here, and we'll get started as far as what the Lord has laid on my heart tonight. Acts 13. And from time, uh, uh, from time to time, I, I do get uh, tongue-tied a little bit, and I'll, I'll get... Uh, I'll pronounce or mispronounce a word, and that's still because of uh, Spanish. Some words are, are very similar, uh, so you'll get a kick out of that. Some of the words I just mispronounce them from because where I grew up, but that's, that's a whole other story. All right, Acts 13, if you haven't found it yet, just keep looking, amen? Acts 13, we'll start in verse 1. Acts 13, 1, the Bible says this, now there were in the church, aren't you thankful for church? Aren't you thankful tonight that you could get in your car, you could leave your home, and you could drive to Heritage Baptist Church, park in the parking lot, come in here to a beautiful building, have hymn, hymnals and everything that you have here? Aren't you thankful for that tonight? I, but I will tell you tonight, there are places around this world they don't have a church. Just not there. And it's not that you, okay, you'll drive five miles and you can't find a church. You can drive 10, 15, 20, 30. I can tell you about states, entire states in different countries that do not have a church like we have tonight. He says, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manan, uh, which had brought up uh, had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed from Seleucia and from thence sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. Would you bow your heads with me tonight? Father, we love you. And Father, I do thank you for the opportunity that you give me tonight to, to stand behind this pulpit and to preach your word. Father, I pray that you'd fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit, that you hide me behind this sacred uh, piece of furniture, Father, and that the voice that would be heard tonight would be the voice of the Holy Spirit. Father, that as we're having missions conference, missions revival, Father, as we, we're, we're contemplating the, the condition, the lost condition uh, of the world, Father, would you help us? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you do what only you can do? Father, use me tonight for your honor, for your glory, for the furtherance of the gospel. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I don't know, my, my accent in English right now, I have no idea what it's like. Believe it or not, I am originally from Washington, D.C., I was born in Washington, D.C. I remember when I was on a deputation, I called a pastor and, I, and he asked me, he said, where are you from? I said, Washington, D.C. He said, can anything good come out of Washington, D.C.? <laughs> but I am originally from Washington, D.C. and we, we speak really fast and I've had to learn to slow it down a little bit being in Hebrew Springs. Folks that would tell me, say, uh, now Brother Norton, when you get uh, to the mission field and you learn Spanish, you're going to slow down. No, I speak Spanish just as fast as I do in English. But now in Hebrew Springs, I've tried to slow it down. Uh, you know, it's not 72 anymore. It's not 45, it's 33. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? So you turn it down to 33. 
So, but uh, I have certain words that I say, but I was, I was born in D.C. Now, I haven't been back to that area for a while. I, I'm thankful where I was born. I'm thankful for where I grew up. But boy, I, I didn't know that the country was so different. You get away from the Washington, D.C. area, and life is so different. I grew up driving on the Beltway. You didn't go get in your car without turning on your radio because you needed to know the traffic report. You needed to know how to get around, how to maneuver there in, in Washington, D.C. And also being in Washington, D.C., we always talked about politics. It didn't matter. Everybody did. Because you're there, you're living on the beltway, and so it would be politics. And every year when you would have the State of the Union address, think about that. The State of the Union where the president comes, and by the way, if you've never seen a presidential motorcade, that's a sight. But the State of the Union addressed the president. He addresses the joint, uh, a joint session of Congress, and he's basically giving them the State of the Union, how things are according to him in his administration, how he sees the United States actually, and what his plan is to help the United States of America. And I begin to think about that for a moment. And looking at this passage of scripture, what I'd like to do tonight is just to give you, uh, according to my perspective, what I've seen through the years, both as a missionary on deputation, on furlough, and on the foreign field, as a pastor on the foreign field, I just want to give you tonight my perspective of the state of missions. The state of missions. I thank the Lord for the privilege he has given me by putting me into the ministry. It is wonderful to serve the Lord. During my years as a missionary, the Lord has taught me many things. When we would go back, uh, come back to the States and visit churches, the churches would look at us and they say, oh, here's missionary Bill Norton. And I would always tell them this, you know, when I'm back home, no one says missionary. They call me pastor. Because to them, I'm their pastor. And so that's something that we, we need to understand. When missionaries leave here and they go to the foreign field, missionaries are not just missionaries, but they're going to be pastors and they're going to do the same things that your pastor does right here. So for our supporting churches, I was a missionary, but for our folks back home in Ixmiquilpan, I was their pastor. And as a pastor, I tried to guide our church concerning missions. We worked hard to keep missions before our people. And it's difficult. This is the 27th missions conference. That's a lot of missions conferences. That's a lot of missionary presentations. That's a lot of missionary testimonies. That's a lot of missions messages. So think about this, trying to keep missions before your church. So as a pastor on the mission field, we tried to, to keep missions before our church, to keep missionaries out before our church, missionaries coming in, and they would present their burdens. Also, we would have uh, missionary prayer letters, and we would read our prayer letters. We would post our prayer letters from our different missionaries. This is a mission work, a mission church on the mission field supporting missionaries. Amen. And we would, we would post our, our prayer letters there and we would read the prayer letters. And every once in a while, we would read a, a prayer letter and a missionary would mention the need, would say, hey, hey, church, you know what? We are gonna send this amount of money to help the, the, that missionary with that need. And we'd pray right there. We would send the money to the missionary. And then when the missionary writes in his prayer letter that God answered that, I would bring that before our church. Listen, listen. God used us here in Ixmiquilpan. We will never go to France 
but we support a missionary in France and God used our pesos here in Mexico to help a missionary to meet a need of a Mexican missionary in France. Keeping missions before the church. Each year we had a missions conference and we also had a missions emphasis weekend. We would usually do that six months after our missions conference just to kind of uh, get everybody stirred up once again about missions. Our faith promise missions giving increased every year. Now, as far as our giving, we would have our ups and downs, but, but God blessed and we were uh, able to support many missionaries uh, through the years. And the Lord allowed our missions family to grow. But not only that, God called men out of our church to be missionaries. And that is just a tremendous, tremendous blessing uh, to me. And it was to our church and is to our church. Now, I I've said that this evening to kind of get into the message about the state of missions. I, I have noticed that the state of missions has changed and is changing. Years ago, there was an excitement about missions. And by the way, I wanna, I wanna say this tonight, there's an excitement in the building. There's an excitement when, when kids are coming up to you and they're asking you to, to, to sign their booklets. There's excitement and that's a good thing. But years ago, there was an excitement about missions, about the missions conference, about missionaries coming in and presenting the work that the Lord had called them to do. But it seems that through the years that in some cases, cases missions has been, has been compartmentalized. It is as if during missions conference time, there is excitement and people are interested in missions. However, it has become normal to see that excitement, enthusiasm, and interest disappear just as the missions conference decorations do. You see, when missions conference is over, what we do, we gather up all the decorations, we take everything and we box them up and we put them in the attic, but we're not careful to guard our mission spirit because we take that mission spirit and we put it in the box as well and we put it up in the attic and we don't pull it out again until it's missions time. You see, we need to have that missions spirit, that missions attitude all year round and not just at missions conference time. Now, I realize that for some, this would be, be the extreme and for others, it would be cons a conservative view. However, I think we could all find our place between the extremes. Here at missions conference, we're all excited. Six months down the road, we're kind of, and then there's others, okay, it's missions conference. Once missions conference is over, they move on to the next thing. Think about where you would be tonight. What is the state of missions in your heart? You see, the purpose of this missions is to point, the message is to point out some possible causes that have contributed to the actual state of missions. I want to start off tonight mentioning, first of all, that many Christians in many churches are asleep at the wheel. They're asleep at the wheel. In our text, we see Paul and Barnabas being sent out as missionaries by the church at Antioch. In verse five, the Bible tells us that they had also John to their minister. Now think about that. They have here, here is John Mark, and John Mark went with the missionaries on their missionary journey. And I'm sure that John Mark was a help to them. 
I remember when we arrived in Colombia, and you can always tell new missionaries because when new missionaries get to the field and they're there maybe working with a veteran missionary, everything to us is new. I mean, all the noises, the sounds, the smells, and we were there with a, a missionary family, and we're there in their house, and as we're sitting there in the living room and we're talking, and you would hear the, the Lord, have mercy, and you get up and you go to the window and you're looking out, and you think something's going to happen, and the missionaries are just laughing. These are the buses on the brakes and the cars and they're making all, these, all this noise and the missionaries are laughing at us and they could tell that we were the newbies, we were the new missionaries. You say, why? He said, we don't get up and look until you hear the sound of breaking glass. <laughs> and it became so commonplace. But here John Mark is, is there and he's helping the missionaries. So we get to Columbia and we were working with a missionary for about a month, two months, while another missionary was on furlough. Okay, When he came back from furlough, these two missionaries needed to move. Now, they were younger than I am right now, but they were older than I was back then. The house that they were sharing, you could say, at the time where everything was, was at, they had like uh, the steps, there were like 15 steps. And here we are, we're moving furniture, refrigerators and stuff like that. And so I'm here on the bottom, I'm like, okay, let's go, let's move this thing. And they're up there and they're just, oh, man, God's good in sending us some of these young guys to help us out. And boy, I know what they meant then, and I really know what they mean now. <laughs> Boy, you're thankful for the new ones that come. But you see, the missionaries, they had John Mark. And John Mark was there to help them out. But something happened. John Mark fell asleep at the wheel. Look at verse 13. It says, Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. John Mark departed from the work. He left the missionaries there and he re returned to Jerusalem. And I propose to you tonight that it is quite possible that John Mark departed from Paul and Barnabas, that he departed from the mission work that he was doing with them because he fell asleep at the wheel. And someone has said this, that man is never as vulnerable as he is when he is asleep. Think about that. How many of you are heavy sleepers, hard sleepers? I mean, tornado could pass by and you had no clue. We had a, there was an earthquake, uh, actually two of them, but uh, the second earthquake that we had there in, in Colombia had no idea it happened. But when you are asleep, you are helpless. When you are asleep, you're not aware of your surroundings nor what is happening. And you're very vulnerable. In Bible college, how many are in Bible college here? Okay, don't, you need to just, don't listen to this, sorry. Back in, back in Bible college, there was a, a fellow in Bible college, and he was just one of those guys that just, I mean, he just sweat all the time. I mean, he just sweat. I mean, he'd get up in the morning, he's sweating. I mean, he, he, getting dressed, he sweats. So somebody got the idea you guys are already thinking, right? <laughs> Somebody got the idea to put glitter in his bed. He was asleep, had no idea. 
until he woke up in the morning. You see, he was vulnerable. When you're asleep, you have no clue what's going on. John Mark left the work because he's asleep at the wheel. When we were there in Mexico and we were taking our first, uh, the first young man out of our church that went to Bible college, the Lord allowed us to start a Bible college shortly after, but we, we took him out to, to Bible college uh, to a different state. We were driving him out there. Uh, his uh, mom and dad uh, accompanied him on the trip. And as we were driving out there, we're, we're laughing and joking. It was, it was a good time. We knew this was of the Lord. And so we took him out there. And that day we spent some time with him. We dropped him off at Bible college. So now we get back in my suburban and we're driving back home. And it was so quiet in my vehicle. Driving, it just kind of, what in the world is going on? Why are they so quiet? And then you're, <laughs> I said, Pastor. I said, yes. I said, we weren't ready for this. We, we thought we were ready to drop them off. We, we, we weren't ready to, 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 to drop them off. And they, they were crying because they were thinking about missing their son. And so I got to talk to them a little bit there in the trip. And we continued on driving home. And uh, we had gotten a, we were probably about half the way home and right down, uh, up the road in, in front of us on, on the highway, there was a, a vehicle that lost control, went into the drainage ditch and flipped over. And so we immediately drove, we, we, we pulled over to the side of the road and even though we weren't involved in it, you're, you're a little nervous and we stopped and, and so we crossed over the, the, the highway and I, I got over to the vehicle and uh, I was kind of disoriented because when a vehicle's upside down, you're thinking, okay, you're expecting to see someone right there, but he wasn't there. He was on the other side. And, but I, I got down and just looked at him and I asked him if he was all right. And, and very shortly, the, the police came after that and the police came up and they're looking at him and he's, he, he had, had crawled out of there and they said, Don, Don, que pasó? Sir, sir, what happened? And, and he answered this, me ganó el camino. Basically, what the, the little translation there is that the road beat me. But what it means is that I fell asleep. He was driving down the road and he fell asleep. And because he was asleep, he lost control of the vehicle and he wrecked. Listen, when we are asleep at the wheel concerning missions, we do much harm to the cause of Christ, both here where we're at and around the world. John Mark had returned back home from the work, leaving Paul and Barnabas. When we're asleep, we're very vulnerable. Turn to Judges chapter 4. Judges chapter 4. I'll mention this real, real quick tonight. Uh, when we got to, uh, to Heber Springs, they told me that Brother Dawson averaged 22 minutes when he preached. <laughs> Scared me to death. I'm a missionary. I come from the mission field. You don't preach 22 minutes. Uh, but I, I will let you know I have, I, I don't preach as long as I used to anymore. No amens? Thank you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Brother Dawson, 22 minutes. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Uh, all right, Judges chapter 4, sleep at the wheel. Look at verse 15. It says, And the Lord discomfited Sisera and his chariots and all his hosts in the edge of the sword of Barak, 
so that Sisera lighted down off his chariot and fled away on his feet. But Barak or Barak pursued after the chariots after the host under Harasheth of the Gentiles, and all the host of Sisera fell upon the edge of the sword, and there was not a man left. Howbeit Sisera fled away on his feet to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber. Amen. The Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin the king of Hazor and the king of Heber the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said unto him, Turn in, my lord, turn in to me, fear not. And when he had turned into her into the tent, she covered him with a mantle. And he said unto her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. And she opened a bottle of milk and gave him to drink and covered him. I don't know about you, but when I think about that, when I'm thirsty, I do not want milk. I don't know if I'd be even able to talk after drinking milk when you're thirsty. It just becomes pasty. Some of your guys are like, "Mm." look at the next verse. Verse 20 says, and again, he said unto her, stand in the door of the tent and it shall be when any man doth come and inquire of thee and say, is there any man here uh, that thou shalt say no? Then Jael Heber's wife took a nail of the tent and took a hammer in her hand and went softly unto him and smote the nail into his temples and fastened it to the ground for he was fast asleep and weary. So he died. He was asleep. And when he was asleep, he was vulnerable. I have a couple other examples here tonight. Samson, do you remember Delilah? Made him go to sleep, cut his hair. He was vulnerable. He woke up, thought he was going to do what he had done before, but he couldn't. Why? Because when he was asleep at the wheel, his hair was cut off. Think about King Saul. King Saul went into the cave to cover himself. David was able to come in there. David could have done great harm to him, but David didn't. But he was very vulnerable because he was asleep. John Mark was asleep at the wheel. Church, it's time to wake up because many have not the knowledge of God and I speak to this to your same. 1 Corinthians 15, 34 says, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And when we consider the state of missions today, we must admit that many churches and Christians are asleep at the wheel. Now listen, listen. Now you may be thinking tonight, hey, we, we, we've got a good missions-minded church. We've got a church that is on fire for missions, that we have a, a wonderful missions conference and people are are excited and missionaries come in regularly and we've got missionaries that have come out of our church and gone to the mission field and praise God for that but I want to tell you tonight that is not the norm in our country the missionaries they know what I'm talking about as you travel around and you go to different churches and you see how how it is there are many churches and many Christians today that are concerning missions they are asleep at the wheel. They are not thinking about what more can we do for the cause of Christ? How can we support more missionaries? What they're thinking about is how can we get rid of some of the ones that we have? Many are departing from the work of missions. They're asleep at the wheel. I brought a few letters with me uh, tonight. I'm not going to mention any any specifics about it, but this letter right here says, Dear Bill and Lynn, with deep regret, we must inform you that we are no longer able to support your ministry financially, beginning immediately. This is not personal or for doctrinal reasons. Such and such Baptist church has reached a place financially that leaves us with very few options. 
due to our fiscal difficulties, we are halting all of our support of all our missionaries at this time. Please understand me tonight. I, this is not, not a criticism of this church. What this is is to help us to understand we need to wake up because we could just as well be like them. Greetings from Baptist Church. Much has taken place here at Baptist Church in the last couple of years. God is good and faithful. Such and such Baptist Church has a rich history in missions. We love missions. I truly believe it is the heartbeat of God. Close to a year ago, we reduced our list of missionaries in order to be more intentional and relational with the missionaries that we support. But as you are probably aware, the last couple of months, we have had to reduce the amount of support to our missionaries. Unfortunately, at this time, we are not bringing in financially what we need to support our missionaries, and we are forced to make a hard decision as a church regarding our missions giving. We are very grateful for your kingdom work. By the way, that got my attention when I heard that kingdom work, but that's... We are very grateful for your kingdom work and the opportunity we have had to have some help uh, to that work of ministry. But at this time, only due to the lack of funds, we will no longer uh, be able to monthly support you personally. Mention some other things in the letter. Dear Brother Norton, to a substantial decrease in our church's faith promise giving this year, we will be decreasing the amount of support that you receive from us. This does not in any way reflect on you, your prayer letters, or your work. This is just something that we have needed to do for some time because of the less faith promise that is coming in. I have some more that I could read as well. Listen, churches have fallen asleep at the wheel. Do we need to do less today than we did last year? Are there less people in the world that need Jesus Christ today than last year? Many churches are asleep at the wheel. And because they're asleep at the wheel, they're also afloat in the world. It seems that John Mark was only physically with Paul and Barnabas, with his heart and mind just floating around. And many do not realize that they're afloat in the world because they have an abstract idea about the world. This is to say that what they believe is the world is not what God says in his word. How can you know tonight if you are afloat in the world or not? There's several ways. I'm going to mention a few of them real quick. You can know that you're afloat in the world, first of all, if you are driven by the current or waves. John, uh, James 1.8 says this, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Ephesians 4.14 says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. God does not want the church nor his people afloat in the world. He has given us a direct course to follow. Are you a slave to the current? If you are, you are probably afloat in the world. And not only are they driven by the current, but their direction is determined by others. Today, so many churches, their direction is determined by other churches, by what other people are doing. And because there are churches that are scaling back on missions, that are not giving what they used to give to missions, that missions is no longer an emphasis, there are other churches that are following their lead. Their direction is determined by others. 
popularity, style, fashion, and culture determine their direction. So many of God's people are being directed by a culture that has rejected God and denies his existence and even has gone as far as attacking those that believe in the God of the Bible. Hey, this world has nothing for us, but we have something for the world and it's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ will change hearts, it'll change lives, it'll change homes, amen. And third of all, for them, dedication is not possible. That's obvious. You see, when you're driven by the waves and your direction is determined by others, you can't be dedicated to the cause of Christ. Missions will not be important to you because you're being driven and directed away from what is important to God. Uh, I, I, can't, I, I don't know how many missions conferences that I've been in through the years. We, we focused on mission conferences. Now, I know missionaries have done it different. I know missionaries, hey, how many churches have you been? Well, we've been into 350 churches. 350 churches. Yep, I'm in a church Sunday morning, church Sunday night, church Wednesday night. I, I never wanted to do it that way. I always tried to get into missions conference. Now, some, for other folks, it worked that way, being in 350 churches. For us, it worked to get into missions conferences. So we were in a lot of missions conferences. I don't think we were in even 100 churches. But we were in missions conference. There were times where we were in church like 27 straight days. I mean, just day after day, you finish one conference, you drive a whole day just to get to a church in time to start another conference. But conference after conference after conference, and I got a lot of ideas about missions conferences. Boy, there's some, pastors got some really good ideas about missions conferences out there. In this one, they did a, uh, they, they've done this in several churches, but they had a, a, a fellowship meal or an international dinner. And after the, the, the dinner was over, they had the missionaries go up on a platform that they had in their gymnasium, gymnasium or their fellowship hall. And they sat there and they would bring a mic over because uh, folks in the, uh, in the church during the week, they wrote questions down that they wanted to ask a missionary. So they wrote him down and then the pastor would stand up, or excuse me, it was assistant pastor, and he said, okay, this question is not directed to anyone, so it's general, whoever wants to answer it. Okay, uh, what is the language that you speak on the mission field? And so each one, they would pass the mic down, okay, Spanish, French, Romanian, whatever, okay, so they would do that. This was one of the questions that came up. What is the food that you most miss from the United States. There was a missionary from the Ukraine. He's like. So they bring the microphone over to him and he goes, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I started laughing, I was like, no, that's me. Folks, I love Chick-fil-A. I embarrass myself at Chick-fil-A. We do not have a Chick-fil-A in Heber Springs. Of all the places God sends me, and there's no Chick-fil-A. And we would come back to the States, and we're, we're there in, in Austin, Texas, our, our, our sending church, home church, uh, there in Austin, Texas, Capital City Baptist Church, and we would get back there, and boy, I would go to Chick-fil-A for breakfast, I would go to Chick-fil-A for lunch, and I would go to Chick-fil-A for supper. And sometimes the employees, they would, they would look, they, weren't you in here before? No, that wasn't me. It was my twin brother. <laughs> now, before you think I'm lying, I'm only half lying because I do have a twin brother. Oh, I love Chick-fil-A. 
But you know, there was a time we were, we were driving out in West Virginia and we, we saw the sign for Chick-fil-A. And if you've ever driven out in West Virginia, I mean, it's mountainous and you, we got off the, the, the interstate there and we're looking for the Chick-fil-A and finally pulled in the Chick-fil-A and went inside and, and I was, okay, I want two double cheeseburgers with everything on them. I want a large curly fry. How many like curly fries? Oh my word. So large curly fries and I want an orange Julius. How many knows what an or orange Julius? Oh, amen. Amen. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There, there's a problem, right? The problem is that I'm at Chick-fil-A. And, and you say, well, that's impossible. That is not what they do. And if that's what you're thinking tonight, you're absolutely right. That is not what they do. And that brings me to say this, today the church is a catering service when it should be a caring service. Amen. Carrying the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to a world in darkness. I, I, I'm not gonna take the time to get into this, but listen, the, the church has changed. The church has changed. The church is busy doing so many other things and I'm not saying that they're not important, but they're not the main thing. Years ago, they used to say, keep the main thing the main thing. Amen. Many churches and many Christians are afloat in the world. They cater and cater and cater to the world, but they do not carry the gospel of Christ to the world. This is why you just can't do missions. You can't just do missions. It's not possible. It has to be real. It has to be something that our Heavenly Father puts into our hearts. A heart for missions comes from the heart of God. And thirdly tonight, there are a lot of churches, a lot of Christians that are AWOL. They're absent without leave. Would you turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy 4? 2 Timothy 4. I praise the Lord through the years that it's only been a, a handful of church that churches that uh, did uh, drop our support. God blessed in, the, in a very special way, I believe, uh, with the churches that uh, supported us through the years. But listen, there are many Christians and many churches that are absent without leave. In 2 Timothy 4, look at verse 9. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Turn to, back to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, where we started tonight. Acts chapter 13. So here they start off on the missionary journey in verse five, it says, and when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. Now to verse 13. Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Here we see John Mark absent without leave. They had John to their minister. John ministered unto them. John helped them. And that means he worked and helped in the work, but guess what? Now John is gone. Paul and Barnabas can no longer count on John. They no longer have John there to help them. 
And when people are AWOL, when they're absent without leave, let me tell you this, the work suffers. The work suffers. There are people that when they, they make a faith promise uh, commitment and that commitment they make uh, between them and God and they promise God that they're going to give it. For example, through Heritage Baptist Church, they do that and they're faithful to, for two or three months, but then something happens along the line there and they become absent without leave. They stop giving their faith promise. And that causes the work to suffer. The work suffers. How Paul and Bartimus must have worked harder trying to make up for John's absence. Think about this. When you're at work and you're at the workplace and there, there's a lot going on. If you work in a factory, for example, and, and someone doesn't show up, it, it means more work for everyone else. It, it means that things are going to be harder for everyone else. So when you are not doing your part, when we are not doing our part, when the church does not do its part, the work suffers. Concerning the work of missions, when you're absent without leave, the work suffers. Missionaries could get to the field faster, stay on the field longer, and possibly do more if they weren't so many Christians that were absent without leave. Listen, missionaries are traveling around today longer and longer and longer. They have to go to more churches now than, than ever maybe trying to get support. It's very difficult. Boy, there's, there's some things I'm going to mention in, in a different message, but boy, we, you know, we, we don't have a problem with paying certain bills, but when it comes to uh, the faith promise missions, have you noticed that the prices out there are, are more expensive? Back in, in November, we were paying $1.69 a gallon. We're not paying $1.69 a gallon now. It's $3.09. $3.09. Okay, so things are starting to get tighter. So what about your faith promise? Is there the temptation to be absent without leave? To say, wait a minute, wait a minute. When we are absent without leave, the work suffers. It takes the missionaries more time to get to the field. Also, there is work left undone. And this is not a new problem. You could go back, there's several examples in the, in the Word of God in the book of Haggai. Everybody was concerned about their house, building their house, but the work of God. And we can get so wrapped up in all that we're doing that we can forget about the work of God, the greatest work on this planet, which is getting out the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world, both where we're at and overseas. In 2014, on a short furlough, uh, I traveled thousands of miles in a few months while we were back in the States, and I saw a lot of billboards. I enjoy those that have to do with our military, and I, I thank God for our military. I saw one about the Marines. No Marines here? No Marine. All right, I always wait for the hoorahs. Saw one about the, the Marines, and this is what it said. A commitment to something greater than themselves. Boy, when I travel and I see stuff like that, it's just, man, I need to write that down. Sometimes I have to wake my wife up. <laughs> hey, write that down. 
a commitment to something greater than themselves. Oh, would to God that we had that kind of commitment, a commitment to something greater than ourselves, the work of missions, and to someone greater than ourselves, the Lord Jesus Christ. With that kind of commitment, there would be less and less churches and Christians absent without leave. There is such a need in the world today. The world, the, the, the need is not less, but the need is greater today. We need more and more missionaries. Listen, in Mexico, somebody would say, well, we already support six missionaries to Mexico. Mexico's been saturated by, by missionaries. That is not the truth. There is still a need for missionaries in Mexico. Hey, the Philippines, for years, missionaries have been going to the Philippines. We know of church in the Philippines, there's hundreds and they've started mission works but you can still go to the Philippines and there's lots of areas where they don't have a church. Colombia, the very first mission field that we went to, you could put your finger on, on a map of Colombia and you're not gonna find a church there. There are so few churches in the country of Colombia and around the world but we're happy because we're asleep. We're adrift in the world because we know if the Lord tarries, we've got a church to go to. We've got a pastor that preaches the gospel. We have it, but there are a lot of folks that don't. Asleep at the wheel. The kind of commitment that we need is a commitment to our God. God, whatever you would have me to do. God wants to give to us to give through us. And it's amazing what God will do. You think of the, the, the church there in Ixmiquilpan, the, the number of people we had that most of our folks, what they, what they worked that day, what they earned that day, that's what they spent that day to eat. Boy, and I'm thankful I've got a refrigerator. I mean, we know we've got stuff. If we didn't go out to eat, we've got stuff right there in the house that we can eat. And some of the things that I've seen through the years, the, the way that, that people live, and it is, it, it, God blessed us by allowing us to be born in this country. But as soon as we start to do this, those blessings are going to stop. God gives so that we can give. So we give so that others can hear the gospel. But that is going to require a commitment on our part. We need to wake up. Stop being adrift in this world. Stop being AWOL. Say, hey, when it comes to missions, I'm all in. God, what would you have me to give? God, what would you have me to do? We've got missionaries that need to get to Panama, that need to get to New Zealand, that, that need to get to Thailand, that need to get to all these different areas. Missionaries are ready to go, trained, ready to go, but they need God's people to get on board. What's the state of missions in your heart? What's the state of missions of Heritage Baptist Church in Lawrence, Kansas? That'll be determined when the faith promise is taken up. I believe on Sunday morning. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?